listening to Foundry Church's weekly podcast, where our singular focus is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. Our hope is that today's message would help you to encounter the living Christ in a new and transformative way. Well, good morning, friends. It is so good to be with you all this morning. Um, uh, I, I want to tell you, it's good. It's a good thing Chris is here. Um, I um, I served as a youth pastor, many of you know, several years ago. And when I was preparing for this message, this, this story popped into my head. Um, this, this time of brief um, discord that we had in our group, it erupted within our senior high Bible study group, um, all surrounding the then very popular Twilight series. Um, if you're not familiar with the Twilight series, let me be clear, that is not your homework today. Um, but basically, uh, it, was, it was a book series that was then made into a series of movies, and it follows the saga of a high school student named Bella, who um, comes across this mysterious boy named Edward, who turns out to be a vampire. And there are also werewolves involved, and there is romance involved, and eventually there is a half-human, half-vampire child over which an entire battle between vampire clans ensues. Um, On and on it goes. Uh, Like I said, this is not your homework. Do not feel like you've got to go catch up. Um, But like so many cultural fads, you are either all in on the Twilight series, you'd read all the books and you'd seen all the movies and you were either Team Jacob or Team Edward, it was the whole thing, or you were decidedly all out on the Twilight series. And thus the rift that developed in the high school Bible story, uh, Bible study, those that um, liked the series and those that did not like the series. And as only things um, sometimes in high school can develop, there, was, there began this, this, this whole discord where um, names were being called and accusations were being delivered and feelings were being hurt and people were crying and it all kind of ended with me sitting everybody down in the room and saying, look, there isn't a person in this room that is not irritating and ridiculous in your own special way. And in case you're not sure what personality traits you have that are irritating and ridiculous, my door is open and you come on by and I'll make a list for you. And oddly enough, no one took me up on the offer um, because it's that idea about confronting what makes us human that is not really a welcome task, is it, sometimes? If you have been with us during this series, you know that we have been talking about this idea of not only being fully present with God, but being honest about the things that keep us from being fully present with God. So whether it is busyness in our souls that we talked about in week one, or whether it is the things that we are distracted by that we talked about in week two, the idea is that we cannot continue to mature in our spirituality if we are being stunted in our emotional lives. 
If you, uh, Luis has said this the last couple of weeks, if you have skipped a week or you've been out of town or something, we really do encourage you. These messages are meant to build on one another. So, so hop back online and listen or, or watch, and I'd love to encourage you and invite you to do that. Because if we are to know what it is to experience the fullness of God's presence, his presence with us and his love for us, then we have to be willing to be honest about what is going on underneath the surface of our humanity. We have to be honest about what it is that makes it so hard sometimes to see and hear and understand God. And so the same way that we come to terms with our busyness, the same way that we are honest with our level of distraction, I want this morning to spend some time talking about our need to be honest with brokenness in our lives, whether we like it or not. Because the truth is that brokenness is everywhere. I have broken pencils, I have broken coffee mugs, I have broken Christmas ornaments, and I have broken promises. Last week I broke a nail. I have had a broken heart. I have had broken relationships. I have had a broken down car. Crying children have broken the slumber of midnight for me, and noisy cars on the street behind me have broken the silence of quiet in the afternoon in my home. From our souls and our fingertips, brokenness is woven throughout our human experience. If we look at the definition of brokenness, it is a fracture or a gap or a break in something that was once whole and thus is no longer whole. And when we look at brokenness through the lens of scripture and through the lens of faith, what we find is that confronting these fractures and these gaps is actually central to our faith and central to our maturing spiritually. And let me show you what I mean. In the beginning, you know this story, God created he spoke into the darkness. He created the world and, the, and all that was in it. He created man in his image, and we experienced shalom. The world, the way that it was supposed to be, a garden of life full in perfect design. But temptation entered the garden. Man fell. Man was cast from paradise. And for the first time, we knew nakedness and shame in our quest to be more like him. Sin separated us from God, not just physically, but spiritually as well. It fractured our shalom. It robbed us from wholeness and peace. And today, it continues to separate us and rob us and fracture us. Sometimes we're broken by our own sin. These are the choices that we make that take us further away from God and further away from God's will for us. These are the temptations that we give into. These are the desires of flesh that overwhelm us. These are the choices that we make, the things we decide to do and the things we decide not to do. 
Sometimes we are broken by the sins of others. The betrayal of a friend, the betrayal of a family member that has torn apart your family and your relationships. These are the decisions that others make that impact us, like the decision to get behind the wheel of a car when you have had too much to drink. These are decisions of anger and violence. Sometimes we are broken by the world around us. This place where we live in a, in, a, in a community and in a world and a society that is prone to unrest and civil injustice and social injustice and war and violence. This is the disease that we cannot explain that seems to fall on people that do not deserve it. These are the disasters that we cannot prevent. These are cycles and of generational, uh, generational cycles of issues that seem to come up over and over and over again. These are questions where we wrestle with where is God when we cannot seem to find anybody else to point the finger at or blame. And maybe you're sitting here in the room today and you're thinking, hey, thanks very much, Pastor, but I'm fully aware of my brokenness. I got it, right? Weak, uh, you, have, you have walked down a long and hard road, or you are still walking down a long and hard road. You know too well the trenches of heartbreak and difficulty. You know all about the weight of regret or grief or loneliness. You do not need to tell me, you do not need me to tell you to bring it to mind. But some of you may be sitting here thinking, whew. A week off. Finally, this is a sermon that was not for me. Luis had my number when he was talking about worry and busyness and distraction, but this week, I'm fine. I am good. It reminds me, when we were doing VBS this summer, I did the music rotation, and so kids would come in here. If you've done VBS with us before, um, thank you and bless you. And it's coming again in June, so save that. Um, but you know that the kids rotate from station to station. And so we were in here for music, and we come in and we teach the songs, and we sing and we dance together. And the groups that would come in here had come in right from Snack, which is, I mean, everybody's favorite station for obvious reasons. And so uh, if you know VBS music, you know that everything is really pumped up and hyped and everything, but there's always one slow song. And so we got ready to bring the kids in, and we, it was slow song day, so we played the slow song. And there was this, and it starts with the words, um, when I'm sad. And there's this little boy on the back row, and he's got his Ziploc bag of Fruit Loops or whatever is left over from the snack station. And he's back there, and he goes, why, not, why are we sad? I'm not sad. I'm fine. I mean, I did games, good. I got Fruit Loops, good. Why are we singing about being sad? And, and I died laughing because I thought, uh, as I was preparing this music, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm the kid with the Fruit Loops in the back going, I don't know why we got to talk about brokenness. I don't know why we got to talk about what's wrong with us. I'm fine. I'm good. I am a delight to be around. The fact is that, that confronting our brokenness is an exercise that is so essential and so central to our faith because it is, because it is the story of our faith. 
God's word is a story that points to brokenness over and over and over again. It is fleshed out throughout all of scripture with themes of broken people, broken situations, broken hearts, and friends, most importantly, a broken savior. See, it is Jesus Christ who who embodies ultimate brokenness for us on the cross. And it is his sacrificial death and resurrection that shows us that brokenness, when offered to God, leads to redemption and restoration. It is Jesus who shows us that acknowledging our brokenness is what makes space for God to draw near to us, to work in our lives, to bring healing, and to bring us fuller into his presence. And we cannot, no matter how good the bag of Fruit Loops is, separate ourselves from this need. That's what Paul is talking about in this passage from 2 Corinthians that Chris read for us. It's this portion of the letter where Paul is actually writing to defend himself and defend the teachings that he had, uh, that he had started there in the church at Corinth. There were these false apostles and false teachers that began to kind of rise up and come in after him when he had left. And they were attempting then to infiltrate the church there. And so at verse 1 he begins, I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained by it. But I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. See, for those in Paul's day, there was a cultural value to boasting. You could almost um, elevate yourself from one social class to another by talking about these accomplishments and all these things that, that you had done and that you had. And so there were these false teachers that were coming in and they were claiming to, to have all these spiritual, supernatural, spiritual experiences. And they were boasting about them to give them credibility there with those people in the church. And mind you, Paul has had no shortage of spiritual experiences himself, but he's also very, very aware of the trappings of pride. And so Paul is saying, hey, I've had some great experiences, and I'm not saying that they haven't had good experiences too, but I'm not witnessing to these experiences for my own gain I am witnessing to testify to the one true God. And just in case I am tempted to go the route of pride, he reminds the people of Corinth about a thorn in his flesh. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And we know that it's not an actual thorn, but if we look at the Greek root, that's something, there's some, some, some sort of affliction and, and irritation there. And the Greek root of that word actually talks to something much larger than a thorn. It's more like a tent stake in his side. It is a constant source of frustration and trouble and affliction for him. And we don't know what it was, but we can assume by the way that he is writing to the church there that those people did did know what Paul's issue was. Was it something caused by his own sin? Was it something he suffered because of the sins of others? Was it because of the sin of the world? Did God just allow Satan to gut punch Paul and stick him with something? Again, we do not know. But what we do know is that Paul goes straight to the Lord with that brokenness. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, he says. And does God say, nah, I just don't care enough about you? Does God say, well, Paul, I'm punishing you? Does God say, it's not that big of a deal, Paul. Stop whining. No, the Lord answers, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, coming to terms with the brokenness within our souls is not about shame. It is not about guilt. It is not about dragging up stuff from the past that you would otherwise not deal with. It is coming to terms with the brokenness in our lives is what opens up the door to humility and dependence on God. It is what acknowledges, allows us to acknowledge our need for God's intervention in our lives. Because if until we accept our own insufficiency, we cannot properly and fully understand God's sufficiency. It's why David in the 51st Psalm says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, God, you will not despise. David sits and understands something we dearly need to understand, that God does not want sinners that can just pick themselves up by their bootstraps and try harder. God does not want sinners who feed their own pride by making it right in our own way. He does not want sinners that just wallow in a life of sadness and sorrow over the consequences of pain and sin. He does not want guilt or shame or avoidance. God wants our brokenness the kind of brokenness that he can use, the kind of brokenness that looks up with desperate, outstretched arms and says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God wants the kind of brokenness that does not expose our weaknesses for the sake of making us feel small or feel like failures, but that glorifies him. The kind of brokenness that points to the one who longs for his creation to be back in that garden, back in his presence, the kind of brokenness that points to the one who hung broken on a cross that we would be made whole. That's why in this series we began with being still. With understanding and quieting the busyness within our lives and in our souls. Then we continued on last week to talk about distractions, those things in our lives that when we are trying to be still, still manage to keep our focus away from God. We've got to be quiet and we've got to focus so that we have the humility and the honesty and the space required to confront what brokenness does to us and what brokenness lives with inside of us. And if we are not honest about the fractures and the gaps in our lives, friends, we will not get there. 
And not only that, but those fractures and those gaps will affect us in every facet of our relationships and our families and our emotional health and our physical health over and over and over again. Brokenness that we are not honest to acknowledge that goes unhealed and unredeemed by Christ is going to come out sideways in our lives in all sorts of ways. It will affect the way that we relate to one another, the way that we relate to the world around us. It will affect the way that we work and parent and care for one another and care for ourselves. That Bible study that I talked about at the beginning of the message One week we were talking about the attributes of God, and I was talking about God as an Abba Father. Abba is that term that we use um, to explain that, that God is a Father who wants a close and intimate relationship with us. And what I found was that those kids in the room that had a troubled relationship with their father, whether there was brokenness in their family or there was just anger or resentment or there was just strife from being a teenager, those kids could not see God in this way. They could not understand that God would want a close and intimate and loving relationship with them. See, brokenness that goes unredeemed and unacknowledged, it comes out sideways in all sorts of ways, even in ways that affect our faith. And we're not always aware of it, which is why it is so hard. We find it bubbling up in all sorts of different situations, and we don't know why. We have to accept our own insufficiencies before we can fully understand God's sufficiency. But first we have to be aware of what is broken inside of us. We have to be still and we have to focus so that God can reveal these things to us when we ask him to. That is why the words of Psalm 139 are so strikingly important to us. We repeated them together at the beginning of the service as we called ourselves into worship. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am not hidden from you. This is a beautiful prayer of humility. It's an admission that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And let me tell you about how the Spirit works when we utter these words and when we say these words. I'll be really honest. Um, When we started this series, Louise said, hey, I want you um, to preach on the week on brokenness. And I was like, oh, thanks. That's a fun topic that everyone likes to talk about and hear about. And I really wrestled with, um, I, I knew we were going to, I prayed over Second Corinthians and I, and, I, and I prayed over Psalm 139. And, and I really wrestled with this idea and God began this process um, of, of kind of just quietly bringing me into this place where he needed me to be. And, but I have to say, like, again, this is, this is a topic I don't talk about a lot. They're like, pick a sermon topic. And I'm like, 
I'd like a tambourine. So <laughs> this was a place I knew that I was going to have to stretch a little and grow a little and trust a lot. And so I, I, over the last couple of weeks, have been thinking about this message and writing parts of this message. And then this week, um, we, uh, members of the staff and some members of our board and our directors here attended a ministry conference up in the woodlands hosted by New Room Seedbed. And I drove, Chris was there and it was fire. Um, and I drove up to the Woodlands on Thursday and the session that morning featured faculty members and staff members that were at Asbury Seminary in February when the outpouring occurred. For those of y'all that are familiar with that, um, it was a Wednesday morning at Asbury and students gathered in, uh, in the chapel there for a service. And after the service was over, a few lingered and um, in that small group of those that lingered, somebody confessed openly to some sin, and they said it's like the atmosphere in the room changed. And slowly students, just unprompted, began to come back to the auditorium, and they began to worship, and they began to pray together, and for 16 days... That spirit continued, and for 16 days, that room was full of worshipers. And as these staff members and these faculty members and these pastors shared their experience with us on Thursday, something came over the room where we were all gathered as well. And you could not, you could not help but just be completely drawn in as you listened to this testimony and these stories. And they talked about the spirit of repentance and they talked about the joy of repentance that took over that place for 16 days. And they talked about this palpable hunger that students were having to lay down their sins and their brokenness and their confessions before God, not because of shame and guilt, but because of the real and palpable joy of being in his presence, of knowing and glimpsing his glory. And, and as they're talking, I felt tears just begin to roll down my face. And then we were led to worship and, and we were led to think about repentance on our own. And, we're, um, and, and they're, they're singing and they're praying and somebody gets up and he opens the Bible and he says, I'd like to read from Psalm 139. And I went, oh, for the love. And we, I said, okay, fine, God, I am listening. And we prayed and, and we sang and this reel, like a movie, kind of went through my mind. And all of a sudden I was seeing these scenes from my life. These scenes of great joy where I knew that God was moving and God was affecting me in my life. I saw my hands raising in worship for the first time when I was in college. And I saw the friend that lived down the hall that prayed with me. 
And I saw praying, myself praying over a group of girls in my youth group. And I saw all of these scenes just flash around me. And I started to weep even more because I realized how much joy were in those moments where I knew that God was moving in my life. And I realized that I have felt so stuck since about the year 2019. It was a time of trial in my own ministry as I was trying to figure out what God wanted me to do next and where I needed to go and how was I going to do that and take care of my family at the same time. And then 2020 happened. And, and I realized standing there at this conference that this bitterness and this despair had just lodged itself within my soul and I had been fighting it with my own means ever since. If I just, if I just do something positive, then I can turn all the apathy in my community around. If I just show up and be the one to volunteer, I can, I, that, that is going to cure the apathy. If I just go to seminary, then I'm going to have all the answers for what God wants me to do with my calling. If I just stop following that person on Facebook, then I will just stop feeling angry about all the issues in the world. If, 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 not once did I ever stop to say, search me, O oh God, and show me what is broken in me. I cannot tell you about the times that I have cried out in the last four years over and over and over again, but not a lot of times has those cries included a confession. Not a lot of times have I allowed the joy of the Lord to meet me in repentance, where I said, I am insufficient, and show me how so that I can see and understand and experience your sufficiency. And so as we prayed together through Psalm 139 in that room, y'all, it was like something broke inside of me. And something moved, and I could see what I had not seen before, and I, could, and I could feel what I could not feel before. It was like the joy of the Lord took my hand, and I said, you know what? This bitterness, it is, it is gone from me. I give it up, and I repent, and I am sorry for how long I have held on to it. This despair, and this frustration, and this anger, I am insufficient, Lord. I am broken, but come on, God, and heal from the inside out, because you are not. And y'all, God said, go. This is the spirit that needs to move in this world. It's a great outpouring in February. It was an amazing thing to witness. It was a great outpouring on Thursday. It was an amazing thing to witness. And I believe God said, this is the spirit that needs to go back to your church. This is the story that you need to share. Because this is the spirit that needs to move in this world. Our brokenness is our opportunity to repent and to see the joy of God's salvation. Our brokenness is the place where God wants to come in and use us, use me, use you, use this church 
to reach a broken world. Oh, it was such an experience. I cried, I cried, I cried all the way home. I got home, I picked Blake up from school and I was like, he said, how was your day? I said, Blake, it was such a good day. I cried all my makeup off my face. And he went, Y'all, that spirit is in this place today. Search me, O God, and know my heart and lead me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is anything offensive in me, God, and lead me from it. That's the invitation. I cannot think of a better one for us today. Alex is going to come and um, he is going to sing over us one of my very favorite songs. And as he does, I want you to know that this altar is open. And if you want to stay quietly in your seat and pray, that is a beautiful place to be. And if you want to come forward to the altar and just receive a hand laid on you and a blessing, Chris and I will be here to do that. And that is a beautiful place to be. Maybe you are aware of the brokenness in your life. Maybe you are living it all the time and you wish you weren't. Or maybe you need something to be revealed to you today. This is a time to say, search me, O God. Show me what may be hidden from me in my life so that I can be made whole, so that I can be led by you in my weakness, so that your glory may be full. We are so grateful that you joined us today and invite you to visit us online at foundrychurch.org for more information on how you can worship, serve, and get connected with us.